This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. see all these people, right? They're getting all depressed, like, oh man, football season's over, fantasy football's over, I lost my league, whatever the case is. It's not fucking over yet. Get up with some of your buddies. Get up with some of your buddies and start a tournament for the playoffs. Get into DFS. There is still, there is still two months worth of football to be played for fantasy. There are so many different tournament styles you can do. Like I've seen tournaments as to where you draft a team and if you get eliminated or if that team gets eliminated from the playoffs, you're still in it as long as you have other guys that are still on your team. I've also seen things where you do it weekly, but you can only play a player one time. So you still draft the same team, but you redraft every single week. And you can never use that same player twice. So if you end up drafting a player that you think is going to lose in one week, right? You play that player because you won't have an opportunity to ever play him again anyways because he's probably going to end up losing in that playoff game. It's a lot of fun. I've seen things with multipliers. As to where if a team goes on, it's total points scored for your team versus every other team. But each week that they play, they actually get a multiplier of 0.5 or one times, or I'm sorry, two times their total amount. Each week it increases. So that way, if you have the Super Bowl player that you drafted, by the time they get there, they're getting like three or four times the amount of points that you would actually get from any other player. There are so many different ways to still play fantasy. DFS, you can come win some money with me. Come win some money with me. I win money off DFS. It's pretty fucking awesome. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash fantasy intervention, and you can see my lineups. You can see that I've won money. Four out of the five posts that I put up, I've won money. Four out of the five posts, there's been a winning lineup in that, in that section. I put three DFS lineups for every single Monday night and Thursday night, and since we have Saturday, I'm going to be doing three different lineups for this upcoming Saturday. I've won $1,200 over two different lineups that were both, they were both in the Patreon page. $1,200 were sitting there for free. Well, not for free, it would have cost you $2. You turn $2 into $12. They were sitting there on the page for you guys to see. All you had to do was be a Patreon member and you could have played my lineup and you would have won $1,200. Well, actually it was like 11 and some change. It's like 11.75 or something, but still. My cash lineups hit almost every week. 90% of the time, or I'm sorry, 80% of the time they've hit. My tournament lineups hit, obviously. That's how I've won the big money. Come play with me, man. Come get some money. You guys can have it. It's yours. 
All it does is cost you two bucks for a month. That's like 25 cents per post. That's it. Come join our circle, man. Hashtag join our circle. Let's do it. Win some money with us on DFS. And I'm still going to be doing DFS episodes for you guys throughout the whole entire playoff schedule. Yeah, get excited for that. We're going to start Dynasty Talk next week. Oh, yeah, I love Dynasty. Dynasty is my favorite. Out of any other platform, Dynasty is my favorite type to play. I love Dynasty. If you have not gotten into Dynasty yet, you need to find a league and get into Dynasty. I don't even care if it's a free one. Dynasty is so much fun, and it never ends. You don't have a trade deadline. You are constantly looking to acquire players. You're following the free agency. Dynasty is the shit. It's the shit. Dynasty is the Mac Daddy of every option you have, any kind of style of fantasy that you play. Dynasty is the Mac Daddy of it. Right? Well, I don't know. DFS is pretty fucking cool, too. But yeah, either way, guys, get into a league. It's a lot of fun. We're going to start our episodes next week for that, so get excited. Hopefully, Devin will be joining me for that since he's a little bit more of a college head than I am. So, well, no, a lot more of a college head than I am. But either way, hopefully he'll be in here to help us out. So I'm stoked, stoked, stoked to have him in here. Right? Now, this past week, this past week, Everything that I had lined up, the process was right. Monday night, the process was right. I just didn't expect Drew Brees to go as hard as he did and Jacoby Brissett to completely shut down. Didn't expect it. I should have seen it coming. I should have at least played one lineup where it revolved around that. And most of my lineups did, by the way, revolve around that. I did say that Drew Brees was going to have a great game along with Michael Thomas, which is why I didn't want to play him. Because when you play the same lineup that everybody else plays, and you're not playing cash, you're playing tournament, then you end up splitting up a pot that turns from five grand into 30 bucks. And yes, that 30 bucks might be more than what you had before, but still. I'm not playing tournaments to win 30 bucks. I'm playing tournaments to win five grand, 10 grand, 50 grand, millions, potentially. I haven't done that yet, but you know. Either way, guys, I'm playing for that big-time money. All right, I'm playing the contrarian plays. I am playing the plays that nobody else wants to play while still surrounding and building my base lineup off of a strong belief. And then I go contrarian, typically on wide receivers. And this week, when we have the Saturday games, that's what I'm about to cover for a DFS episode. That's what we're doing today, guys. This week, it's a little bit tougher. This was definitely, definitely a tough week. You obviously have the game of the weekend slate with Tampa Bay and Houston, right? And everybody's going to be on that. So you got to find a little bit different route, and that's what I'm going to cover. I studied my ass off for this episode. You guys probably noticed that it's getting started a little bit later than normal. Just a little bit. But that's because I was studying the entire time because I didn't want to let you guys down again. Didn't want to do it. I could not let you guys down just like I did last week. I had to find the perfect lineup. So I studied my ass off, got back up on the horse, and I'm going to crush it this weekend. This episode that I'm about to cover is going to crush, crush every other one that I've ever done because of the amount of depth that I put into this. Yeah, guys, I'm focused in, I'm ready to rock and roll. 
ready to get this episode started. We're about to do this fucking shit. Let's go. baby let's go this is the first time i actually did a live stream song while i'm talking so we're gonna see how this works out it might be beautiful it might be terrible we're about to find out we are about to find out anyways guys i'm gonna start out going a little bit different than i typically do for most other things instead of me actually going through and talking about stacks talking about guys that i want to go through there was actually so much of a limitation with running backs this week and with wide receivers, I'm actually going to cover it position by position. Typically, I don't do it that way, but we're going to give this one a shot. And of course, we got to start it out with the quarterback position, right? We've got Jimmy G. All right, Jimmy G is going to be the first person we talk about. Jimmy G, three out of seven games, he's lights out. Three out of seven games, he's absolutely terrible. And then he had one game in there that was playable. That's in the past seven games, right? That was the biggest sample size I wanted to take. Now, the Rams, they've actually been pretty solid up against the quarterback. They did just allow Dak Prescott two touchdowns. And Lamar Jackson, back a few weeks ago, threw five up against him. But since week six, those are the only two multi-touchdown games allowed. It's not too promising starting out for Jimmy G. He is a little bit too inconsistent for me, and honestly, I just don't trust it. Jalen Ramsey has been absolutely phenomenal, along with Troy Hill. Keep in mind that Troy Hill could end up being injured for this game. So if Troy Hill is actually out, he had thumb surgery, I believe, at uh, some point throughout this week. If he's out, then it makes Jimmy G a little bit more appetizing, but still. I don't know if I'm going to be playing Jimmy G in very many contests. However, that's going to end up being pretty common for everybody else as well. I expect Jimmy G's ownership to be so low primarily because we have two quarterbacks in here that are going to dominate the ownership. Now, on to the next one, right? We got Jared Goff. And Jared Goff crushes, crushes bad defenses. But he sucks up against good ones. The last time that they played, he only threw for 78 yards and had a fumble. Now, the 49ers haven't really looked great lately. And they're dealing with injuries. But five out of the past seven games, they've allowed 20-plus points to the quarterback. They do get Richard Sherman back, but I don't think that, that solves all their problems. My biggest concern is the fact that when Jared Goff gets pressure in his face, he just absolutely flops. He flops. And the 49ers have been pretty good about getting pressure on the quarterback. Now, they haven't been as good lately, but still. I think that Goff, in a tournament setting... Could absolutely be a play, but I don't think he's safe in cash lineups. I don't think either one of these guys are safe in cash lineups, to be honest with you. Their prices are a little bit too high for me. And, yeah, they both have a tendency to put up really bad games. So, for me, these guys could be viable in tournament lineups, primarily because of low ownership and the fact that Jared Goff can have big games from time to time. But that offensive line has not been good for the, for the Rams. And I just don't trust it. They are both tournament plays to an extent. I'm not playing a ton of them, 
but I will have a couple of them in my lineups for tournaments, not cash. On to Brady. Right? Brady up against the Bills. Phew. This could end up being a terrible, terrible game. I mean, he's been absolutely brutal since the bye. He only has one week in which he put up 20-plus points. The Bills did allow Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson to both go off, right? But since week eight, five out of eight quarterbacks up against the Bills have been completely shut down. Completely shut down. Now, that could be due to a week schedule. They've had a pretty damn week schedule the past eight weeks. But still, the last time they faced off, it was pretty ugly for Tom Brady. I don't expect that much of a difference. So I'm going to say Tom Brady is a bench for me in both cash and tournament lineups. I think that people will be playing him, so his ownership is not going to be through the roof or anything, but I think it's going to be more than what Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo's ownership is going to be. I just don't trust Tom Brady this week up against the Bills. I know it's a divisional game. I know it's in Foxborough, but still. He's not been on the same page with his receivers, and he actually has not looked good either, throwing extremely inaccurate balls all over the place. I mean, look what he did last week up against the Bengals. Not good. Not good. You have to seriously wonder if Brady's actually done for after this year with the results that he's been putting up as of late. So while we stick on that game, we got to hop over to Josh Allen. And Josh Allen didn't look much better in the game they played previously this year. I mean, he threw for 150 yards with three interceptions. Brutal. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Whew. God, man, Josh Allen, what were you doing the first four weeks of the season? It was ugly. It was ugly. I was like, oh, here comes the Josh Allen that we thought he was. Right, he had six interceptions. He had two fumbles. And then he had six touchdowns total, three on the ground, three in the air. <clears throat> Excuse me. Brutal. But since that, since then, he's only had three interceptions and two fumbles over 10 games with 13 passing touchdowns and six running touchdowns. He's been a top-end fantasy option eight out of the past 10 games. He's QB number five since week four. Well, I guess since week five, following week four. God, Josh Allen has been a boss. He's been a beast. He's the man. The Patriots, they've struggled up against running quarterbacks. They've allowed Jackson and Watson to do work, do work up against them. I expect this young, hungry Bills team, seeing the Patriots while they're weak, God, I expect them to pounce, man. I expect the Bills in Foxborough to go take care of business up against a weak, a weak Patriots team right now. It's kind of like, kind of like in the wild. Right, that lioness, she can sense the weak gazelle, the injured, the injured one in the pack. Oh, she's pouncing, baby. She is pouncing. She's going to tear that ass up. It's going to be Josh Allen. Lioness, what's up? Ah. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> God, it's gonna be crazy. I love Josh Allen this week. He's actually probably one of my favorite DFS quarterbacks out of this whole selection, because you know this next game that we're about to talk about with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Houston Texans, the ownership is gonna be through the roof on them. 
So me personally, I like the thought of taking multiple different shots with Josh Allen this week and pairing him up with some of his players, which we'll talk about here in a second. I think it could happen. I think he could happen. Running, passing, it don't matter. Now going on to this next matchup, right? This is the, oh man, this is the meat. This is where all, every other person is going to be playing their fantasy is through this matchup for this Saturday slate. It's going to be crazy. I mean, you got James Winston up against Sean Watson with two terrible, terrible defenses, right? We'll start out with Winston. Winston, man, talk about a tough time. Broken hand, depleted, depleted wide receiver corpse, and they're saying that Chris Godwin is now out officially? That sucks. Sucks for Winston. But he still produced last week. He still put up numbers. God, man. Talking about a quarterback that you don't want to let go, but you might have to because he doesn't win you games. You know, he turns the ball over a ton, but this kid has a heart, man. I love Jameis Winston. Maybe that's just because I'm not a Tampa Bay fan and I just follow him in fantasy, and I have for years. And he's broken my heart a couple of times, but this year he has been an absolute monster. Jameis Winston's the man this year. Listen, there's only three quarterbacks so far that have not put up big-time, big-time numbers up against Houston. And that was Minshew, that was Kyle Allen, and that was Brissett. So everything is pointing to playing Winston. His ownership, along with Sean Watson's ownership, is going to be through the roof like we already talked about. I'm thinking at least 80% of the people in tournaments are going to be playing Winston and Watson. At least. Because nobody's going to want to play Tom Brady. Nobody's going to want to play Josh Allen up against the Patriots. Nobody's going to want to play Garoppolo or Jared Goff. Everybody's going to be on these two guys. So for cash, for cash, I love these guys. But for tournaments, that ownership is scaring me away. I mean, you can still do a lineup with them, right, and play their top-end guys. But at the same time, you're going to end up getting locked in with multiple other people, and you're going to have to play a long-shot player that nobody else is playing, that hits. I would much rather pivot off these guys and just hope that it's a lower scoring game than what people are expecting, which is completely unlikely. It's completely unlikely. But I would rather not play these guys in all of my tournament lineups and just hope that they both, maybe not bomb, but don't do as hot as what everybody else is going to think, and then one of these other quarterbacks goes off. Because that's all it's going to take. All it's going to take for you to win money is for one out of these other four quarterbacks to produce at a high-end level more than what these other two guys do, and you can end up winning a shit ton of money because of the high level of ownership. My money's going to be on Goff potentially putting up a big week or Josh Allen. Now, I could still see Jimmy Garoppolo. I could still see Jimmy Garoppolo, especially if Troy Hill is hurt, but my money is on Josh Allen, number one, having the biggest chance to put up points, and number two is going to be Jared Goff. Just saying. Quarterbacks have been able to do it. Now, let's get back into these guys. We've got Watson in Tampa, who's been far better the past three out of four weeks. But when you look at it and go into the breakdown, you see who they've played. <laughs> it's kind of laughable. It's kind of laughable. Watson is a different animal. And I think that he shows Tampa Bay, what's up? Right? 
I, in, I intend, I'm pretty sure, I'm 90% sure that this is going to be a high-scoring contest. But still. Do I want to play Watson, who's probably going to be 45 to 50% owned? Ugh, that's going to make me shy away a little bit. What you do this week, what you do this week is you play just as many cash lineups as you do tournament lineups to make it up, and you play Jameis Winston and Deshaun Watson in all of those cash lineups. And then when you pivot over to the tournament lineups, you don't play any of them. Or maybe you play two lineups, one with each of those guys in it. And if they do go off, maybe you hit, but you're going to end up splitting up a pot because it's going to be super chalky. But you're hoping they don't go off. You're hoping they don't, and you're hoping that one of these other guys do. Now, on to my next one. The wide receivers, right? And you got to tie, obviously, your quarterbacks, your wide receivers. You want to do stacks this week. And it's going to be kind of shady with where you go with the stacks. Because you can't play Chris God when he's out. Right? And Hopkins, as long as he plays, he's the only surefire guy that I know is going to go off when it comes to wide receivers. He is going to have the highest in ownership. He's going to have the highest in ownership. But you just play him, even without Deshaun Watson, in hopes to keep up with the rest of the players. They're going to be scoring and playing Hopkins. Hopkins is by far going to be the, the most owned wide receiver in this whole entire slate, but I think you have to play him anyways, even in tournaments. Now, I'm going to own him in most of my stuff, but either way, I know that it's contrarian to what I normally say, which is don't play the guy that's going to have the high-end ownership, but I think in this case and scenario, because you are lacking a ton of offensive firepower surrounding some of these other quarterbacks, along with great defenses in two out of the three games, I think that you have to play Hopkins. You ought to play him. I don't think he's going to bomb. I think he's extremely safe. My only concern is that he gets re-injured. But I'm still going to be playing him in most of my tournament lineups and all of my cash lineups. Now, on to my next guy. My guy that I think is going to end up going off wide receiver-wise. He's going to be tethered to Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's going to be Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel should go off because Sanders is going to end up facing against Ramsey most likely. That's what the beat reports are coming out from. That's, they're saying that Ramsey is preparing for Sanders. So I'm not going to be playing Sanders pretty much anywhere. I might sneak him into one lineup with Jimmy G just to see if, if it's all fake, like if it's, he's actually going to be faced up against Debo Samuel. But for the most part, I'm playing Debo Samuel. He goes to the slot. Ramsey doesn't typically travel to the slot. I know Emmanuel Sanders can go to the slot as well, but they're loving what they have in Debo Samuel, and I think they're going to utilize him this week. Now, if he gets to see Roby Coleman, he'll go off. And then, of course, David Long. He could be available on the outside if Troy Hill is out with that injury. He had surgery on his hand at some point throughout this week. So Troy Hill could be out. He's expected to play, but he could be out. So... Yeah, Debo Samuel for me, I think you got to play him in multiple different tournament lineups, and I think he's semi-safe for cash. On to my next guy, and I keep on going back to the well for this because eventually he's going to hit. He eventually is going to hit. It's going to happen. I'm just waiting for it to happen. And that's going to be Will Fuller up against, of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, Will Fuller, he played 59 out of 63 snaps this past week. 
Stills, who actually went off last week, had 20 less snaps, but he got the red zone looks. That's the first time that Kenny Stills has seen a red zone look this entire season. And he saw two of them and capitalized on both. He only had three targets this past week. Will Fuller out-targeted him, out-snapped him. I could see Will Fuller going off this week when people are going to be off of him. They're afraid to play Will Fuller. He's got that little injury niche right next to him, right? He could be injured, could be out. No, he's not going to be out. He's going to play. He toughed through it last week, and he played 59 out of 63 snaps. He's feeling healthier. He's feeling better. Will Fuller, for me, is one of my favorite plays on the entire week because I think he's going to have lower ownership than what people expect. I'm playing him in all of my tournament lineups. Now, the Bucks, they don't do well in the slot. That's where Will Fuller plays. That's why I like Hopkins, too, because Hopkins also travels to the slot. The majority of snaps that Will Fuller plays is in the slot. He's going to go off against Tampa Bay this week. He's going to go off. I can feel it. I can feel it because every time I say his name, I get butterflies in my stomach, and my stomach kind of twists up, and it gets me kind of excited, and then I get a hard on, and then, wait, 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 what? Oops. Did I just say that a lot? Whatever. I got a hard on for Will Fuller, okay? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Now, my next two guys, and I keep on hate on Robert Woods. I keep hate on Robert Woods, but I just can't help it. I can't help it. I just don't love him. Maybe he's a safe cash play, but I still don't see it. I like Cup, and I love Brandon Cooks this week. Love him. Now, he's had concussion issues, right? And you can see it's been affecting his play. I believe he only caught four of eight targets this past week, but he saw a spike in targets. That was the most amount of targets that Cup has seen since week four. Did I say Cup? Coop. Cooks. That's the most amount of targets that Cooks has seen since week four. I don't know what I said, so I'm just going to repeat myself. I'll say it one more time. He saw eight targets, and Cooks, that's the most amount of targets he's seen since week four. Most amount. I mean, Cup got back to his normal snap share. He got back to it. And we know, we know the 49ers, they get beat with speed. Rich Sherman coming back, that's not good news for Robert Woods, who eats in the middle of the field. He loves those comeback routes. He loves those, those slants. He loves those ins. I think, I think Woods is going to be shut down this week, and I think his ownership is going to be up there. I don't think it's going to be huge, but I think it's going to be up there. I think that Cooks is the perfect definition of a tournament play this week. And if I'm playing Jared Goff, I'm going to link him. I am stacking him with some combination of Cooks, Gurley, and Cup. Some combination is going to contain that lineup. I think this game is going to be a little bit higher score than what people expect. I know it's still going to be a defensive battle, but I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring than what people expect. I am linking, if I play Goff, I'm linking Cooks, some combination of Cooks, Cup, and Gurley. On to my next guy. And here we go, baby. Drum roll. Boom. Watson. Justin motherfucking Watson. This guy's 6'2". He's an absolute animal. His physical attributes are second to none. Well, maybe second to Chris Godwin. Maybe second to Mike Evans. So he's like third. But still, everybody is going to be playing Brashad Perryman. Everybody. Right? But I'm not going to be chasing last week's points. I'm not going to do it. 
Chris Godwin is out. Watson, who plays the slot, is going to fit phenomenally, phenomenally into Godwin's spot. It's going to be so beautiful. It's going to be so sexy, and I can't wait to throw a party. Cannot wait to throw a party when Watson goes off this week. He is my favorite DFS play. He's super cheap. His price didn't come up. Meanwhile, Rashad Perryman is one of the most expensive guys on the DFS slate. Might scare some people away, but no, all I keep seeing is, oh, you play Perryman this week. Oh, you play Perryman this week. It's going to be a shootout. You play Perryman this week. Maybe you do. But my money is going to be on Watson. I think Rashad Perryman's ownership is going to be through the roof, even with the increased price, and I don't want to take a shot on it. Plus, when you play Watson, it allows you to max out on your other positions. I am playing Watson with Jameis Winston. I'm playing Watson without Jameis Winston. I am playing Watson everywhere. He's safe for tournaments. He's safe for cash. I love him this week. Go chase those points. You saw four bad years of Brashad Perryman's career. Four bad years. You see two good games, and all of a sudden he's the, he's the man. He's the must-play guy. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here with that. I am playing Watson. He will see the targets, he will see the game plan, and they will game script for Watson because he's a beast. And you know what he did in the offseason? You know what he did in training camp? Do you know? Do you know what he did? He burned Vernon Hardgraves over and over and over again. That's all you saw from beat reporters. That's all you saw on Twitter videos was him getting catch in the end zone time after time after time. Guess where Vernon Hardgraves is now? Duh. The Houston Texans? Yeah, the Houston Texans. Guess who's going to be matched up against Justin Watson? The the Vernon Hardgraves? Yes! 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 Is that too many S's? Is that too many S's? No, it's not. Yes! Oh my God. Now, you can see Gary and Connolly still gonna toast him, still gonna put him on a skewer and roast his ass. But I love it. I love it because I do think that he's still going to see some of Vernon Hargraves, if not all of Vernon Hargraves. And Justin Watson, who has the 91st percentile in Spark X score, has a 98 percentile college dominator rating, run, is 6'2", 250 pounds, runs a 4-4-9-40. You talk about his speed score? Oh my God. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. Now, you look at Vernon Hardgraves, and if he gets matched up up against Vernon Hardgraves, it's going to be even sweeter. Because Vernon Hardgraves is 5'10", runs a 4'5'40", so you might be able to keep up with him, but that height, oh my god! I'm so stoked for this. I am so stoked, I cannot wait. Cannot wait for this to happen. I think the Gary Connolly goes over to Brashawn Perryman's side to keep up with the speed. Meanwhile... Guess what happens with Watson? Everybody is talking about Rashawn Perryman, and you don't think the safeties know that? You don't think the cornerbacks are watching the game film? You don't think that they're going to end up leaning coverage that size so they don't get beat? Their recency bias is just as bad as you guys who want to play Perryman this week. 
You don't think that they saw the game film from last week? Coverage will be leaning towards his side. You play. You play Watson this week. You play him. All right, I'm done with my Watson rant. Thank you guys for listening to my Watson rant. My next rant is going to be with Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, who saw 13 targets and 7 receptions the last time that New England and the Bills faced off. The slot guys and the tight ends are how you beat New England. They keep guys in front of them. They don't get beat deep. They don't let that happen. You take what the Patriots give you. Be smart, Josh Allen. Just dump it off. They might take away some running lanes from him. That could create for some dump-off passes to Cole Beasley and to somebody else we're going to talk about here in a second. Actually, two other people, three other people. But still, Cole Beasley, I expect him to have another big game up against New England Patriots this week who have allowed multiple different slot receivers to put up big-time yards and tons of catches. Cole Beasley, for me, is a must-play, and he is completely, completely safe in cash games and tournament games. He has the upside as well. You never know. You get two touchdowns out of Cole Beasley. I expect the Buffalo Bills to leave their offense, their defense to leave their offense with short field opportunities because I don't think that the Patriots are going to be able to move the ball as much as they would like up against the Buffalo Bills. They can't cheat anymore. They got caught. They're screwed. Now, Edelman. Just a few guys I'm going to run through real quick. Edelman's been hurt. So, Sanu's snapshot went through the roof. Now, Edelman's feeling a little bit better, so I think that Edelman could still be a play. He's not going to be seeing any of Tredavious White. And then, of course, you have Sanu, who plays in the slot as well. Should not be seeing Tredavious White. And I think I saw something about an injury coming out with Tredavious White as well. That might be incorrect. That, that's probably incorrect. But still, I'm playing the two slot guys for New England in a couple lineups here and there, especially in tournaments. I don't know about so much in cash, but still, you can take a shot. Kiki Kuti is definitely worth a shot. I don't think that Kenny Stills is going to see two red zone targets again. I mean, I think it was just game scripted that way. Kiki Kuti could be worth a deeper shot if you need somebody cheap. I don't love him. I'm not saying play him in every lineup. And he's definitely not a cash game lineup. But for tournaments, they, they, they drop these plays. They drop these plays for these wide receivers that you never see coming. And Kiki Kuti could be the beneficiary of that this week. I think it's going to be more towards Will Fuller. But don't be shocked if Kiki Kuti ends up with a touchdown. I love lineups that have, like tournament lineups, that are going to end up having some form, some, some system, of course, with the highly owned Deshaun Watson, along with the highly owned Hopkins, and then switching it up with Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, and Kiki Kuti. Maybe even mixing in a tight end or two. I love Love those lineups. And then you just go low ownership on everybody else you possibly can. You go completely contrarian on every other possible, possible player. Like Todd Gurley would be sexy in that one. We're about to talk about the running backs here up in a second. But somebody that nobody else is going to play, maybe like a Carlos Hyde possibly. No, you don't want Carlos Hyde because he's on the same team. And I don't think that they're going to be scoring in multiple different ways. But maybe a Peyton Barber. Yeah, we'll talk about running backs here in a second. But I love that, that lineup-esque for a contrarian play for myself. Now, uh, let's see, let's see, Kendrick Bourne is going to be the next guy. He gets those red zone targets from time to time. Obviously, with the other guys, they're going to be facing Troy Hill. They're going to be facing Jalen Ramsey, excuse me. He will get Roby Coleman in the slot, possibly, right, maybe. 
out-muscle that guy, outsize that guy in the middle for a red zone touchdown, maybe two. Kendrick Bourne has these weird weeks. He has weird weeks where they know the player matchup, and if they got a smaller slot cornerback, they just let him body the shit out of him in the end zone. God, man. You ever seen, what is it, I now pronounce you Chuck, Chuck and Larry? And he has that one scene where he's playing basketball and the guy goes to jump up and shoot or something like that and he just gets the, the belly full of sweat and, and chest hair and everything. Oh, God, it was a gross scene, like all in his mouth and stuff. Oh, it's gross. You got to go look it up. It's crazy. Ugh, it's so gross. But I, I just imagine that's what Kendrick Bourne does to these smaller defensive backs. I mean, he's not all like fat and hairy and stuff, but I just kind of imagine the same thing when he goes to jump up and get a ball over a tiny guy. Yeah. Ugh. God, Kendrick Bourne, sweaty chest hair. Gross. Yeah, anyways, we're going to go on the tight ends now. All right, the tight ends. Listen, you got to start out with Kittle, right? If you believe Garoppolo is going to put up some points, which he very well could, then you have to play Kittle this week. You gotta play Kittle. Even if you don't play Garoppolo, I think you have to play Kittle. Even if you don't want to play Kittle, you gotta play Kittle. Last time they faced off, he had eight receptions on eight targets for 103 yards. He could end up getting a touchdown again. I expect a, a similar stat line, but I want to add in a touchdown to that. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be awesome. I think that you beat the Rams on the inside with the tight end because you're not gonna be able to beat them with Jalen Ramsey on the outside. You can't go there. So I think George Kittle is going to be heavily involved. He's going to be facing up against an unathletic, smaller guy who's been playing very solid lately. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think teams have really exposed him the way that they should. So when Taylor Rapp matches up against George Kittle going face-to-face, -face, I think George Kittle's kind of laughing inside. I think he's like, oh, my God, this motherfucker. Yeah, Rapp, who's been playing better, I mean, he took over for, for Josh Johnson halfway through the season, and he's been playing well. But Kittle, come on, baby. <laughs> Kittle's just sitting there snickering to himself. He's like, I'm about to show this kid what's up. I'm about to go off. God, Kittle could end up with two touchdowns this game. Kittle is by far my number one tight end, and I'm playing him everywhere that I can. Everywhere. I don't care that he's the most expensive guy or the ownership level could be high. I think that ownership level is going to scare some people off, and I think people are going to pivot over to Higby. And I don't like Higby this week. You have Gerald Everett coming back from that injury. It could end up hurting one of the wide receivers, such as Cooper Cup. But I don't like Higby, and I don't like Everett this week. I just don't like him. I think that their ownership is going to be too high, and I don't like the pricing. Now, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brate, up against Houston. This could be a good one, right? Because who else does Jameis Winston have to throw to? Ishmael, Hi uh, what's his name, Heyman? Hyman? I don't even know. He just got signed off the practice squad. I looked up his profile. He's completely unathletic. There's nothing special about this kid. Nothing. So I think that O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid are going to somehow you know, make up for some of those targets. So I think that in every lineup that you play O.J. Howard in, I think you take the same exact lineup in tournaments and you play Cameron Braid in because you never know which one of these guys is going to go off. I like them both, though. I do like them both. Now, same thing goes for Knox and Croft, right? Because Knox was on the field for the majority of snaps last week when it comes to the tight ends. But Croft, Croft, he ended up having that, I guess, playoff vaulting touchdown at the end of the game last week. I mean, five out of the seven games, 
they allowed a touchdown to a tight end. That's the Patriots. Five out of the past seven games, they've not only allowed a touchdown, but they've actually allowed double-digit fantasy points. Five out of the past seven games. They keep everything in front of them like we talked about the Patriots, so this is a perfect recipe for either Knox or Croft to go off. I mean, Knox last time went three catches for 58 yards. Add a touchdown to that, at his price, you are banking. You are absolutely banking. And if you play Josh Allen, you got to link him up with Cole Beasley and either Knox, Croft, or Singletary, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I think it's a, I think it's a recipe, a recipe for a big-time winning lineup. Now, I got to take shots. I got to take a couple shots with Darren Fells and Atkins. I don't love it, but you got to take shots. And we talked about the fact that I don't like Higby or Everett, but you can still take a shot. Don't take multiple shots and don't play him in cash, but you can take a shot on him here and there. But it's definitely not my favorite tight end to go to. I'm going to be sticking primarily with some combination of Knox, Croft, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, and George Kittle. Those are going to be my five, five tight ends this week, my five favorite ones, especially when it comes to ownership percentage of Knox and Croft. I think that they're going to be in the dirt. I think they're going to be less than 5% owned. Yeah. I'm playing them this week. Hoping for a big game out of Josh Allen. On to the running backs. We're going to start it out with Gurley. And I think Gurley, with his pricing and the fact that he's up against the 49ers, is actually contrarian play. I think he's going to have low ownership. And he's, like I said, the most expensive running back on the slate. Now, the Rams, they're different from what they did when they first faced them earlier in the year. They're different. They're a different team. Different mentality. Gurley, although he kind of got shut down last week to an extent, he still ended up making up for it with two touchdowns. I think that Gurley is a solid option up against the 49ers this week, and I love playing him. I love playing him this week. The 49ers have showed from time to time they can get run on. They've been solid overall, but they still can get run on. I'm still playing Gurley in a lot of different lineups this week. Hoping that he gets past now, work. Hoping that he gets it. Mostert, uh, he's going to be the most owned guy. He's up against the Rams, obviously. They just allowed the Cowboys to get 263 yards with three touchdowns on the ground against them. Between Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard, they destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. Now, Mostert, who saw 34 snaps and 14 carries, along with two targets, comparing to Tevin Coleman with only 19 snaps and Breida only getting 12 snaps. Now, Breida could be healthier, right? Could start taking a little bit of work away from Mostert, and they love to ride that hot hand. They love it. They absolutely love it. It scares me a little bit, right? Like, I'm not sitting there, like, salivating right now, like, dripping, ready to just pounce on Mostert this week. I mean, you can play him, but his ownership is going to be through the roof when it comes to running backs. These running backs, the selection of running backs you have this week are absolutely brutal. There are so many good run defenses. So many good run defenses this week. It's going to be a tough... Tough sell. I mean, here. Hold on one second. I'm going to pull up, pull up FanDuel real quick. Give me one second, guys. And just, just checking this out. On FanDuel, you have the second-ranked run defense in the NFL, or up against running backs. You have the third-ranked defense up against running backs. You have the first-ranked defense up against the running backs. You've got the 12th-ranked defense up against the running backs, the 19th, and the 24th. So obviously, you get a little bit of wiggle room with the 19th and the 24th. And the 19th ranked defense is the Rams. So you want to play Mostert. But I'm just not sold that he's going to dominate the snaps like he has. 
Matt Breida has not been healthy. He's just getting back into it. He could take away a few snaps, and if he gets hot, ooh, if he gets hot, so hot. It could be huge, and you never know when another player is going to vulture a touchdown from Raheem Mostert. Now, I still think you could play him in cash, 100% playable in cash, but in tournaments, I'm going to have very minimal ownership. Still going to own him a little bit, but I'm going to have very, very minimal ownership on Mostert. I'm not saying that he doesn't go off. I'm just hoping that he doesn't go off. I mean, right? Maybe? Possibly? Oof, question mark? Hopefully. Hopefully. Now, on a Singletary. On a Singletary, he's been playing extremely, extremely solid. But he's up against New England. Now, like we talked about, New England likes to keep the ball in front of them. So I could see some dump-off plays to where they eliminate the running lanes for Josh Allen. Maybe? I mean, New England does struggle up against running, running quarterbacks, but still. Maybe they fixed it. Maybe they solved their issue. I doubt it. But if they did, you could see some dump-offs going to Devin Singletary. Five, maybe six receptions. That's not completely out of the realm of possibility. I could see it. Now, Singletary. He has three straight games of double-digit fantasy points, and all three of those games have come across or come against top 10 run defenses. Boom. Devin Singletary is still producing even while facing top-end running defenses. I really like Devin Singletary this week, and I think he's going to be at a very low clip of ownership. I'm playing him. I'm playing him. James White and Sonny Michelle are interesting. Right? When they beat the Bills, they beat them with the run game. And typically, that's how most teams have done it. They beat the Bills with the running game because you can't pass against them. But it's not like they're bad in the run game. They're still really stout. And when I went back and I looked at what running backs did well against them, it was primarily the bigger, more physical inside runners. That's who's been beating them. Not the quick, twitchy guys, not the outside receivers. They've been shutting those guys down. So Sony Michelle is actually more appealing to me than James White. But I think you got to take shots with both of them in tournaments. Sony Michelle for me in cash is safe. He's still playable in a tournament, but he's safe for cash. James White, not so much. I know he's been the bigger focal point when it comes to the run game, but I just I have this feeling that Sony Michelle. This tingling feeling, no, not in my penis, all right, more in my toes, but it's a tingling feeling that Sony Michelle is going to have a better game than James White. I think it's going to happen. Now, you could also take a shot with Burkhead. I don't recommend it, but he did have that big play at the end of the game, fourth quarter run, 33 yards or something like that. Yeah, you could take a shot with Burkhead, but I don't love it. Don't love it. My favorite price guys, my favorite running backs on the entire slate are right here in front of me now. And I think ownership's going to be low. They're facing the worst defense on this Saturday slate. Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. And it's tough because we never know when they're going to go off. We never know when they're going to go off. So whatever lineups I'm playing with Ronald Jones in it, I'm also playing the same lineup with Barber. Because I don't know which one's safe. I don't know which one has the upside. You just you don't know what Bruce Arians is going to do. He rides the hot hand. That's what he does. Who's going to have the hot hand? We don't know. But we do know. We do know that everybody else is talking about this pass game. Everybody's talking about the pass game. Everybody cannot shut up about the pass game. This is a perfect opportunity to go contrarian. You might still complain, you know, Jameis Winston along with Ronald Jones coming for a big-time pass. And then you sack Watson with that. But is it that, that unlikely to believe or that not feasible, like that impossible to think that for some reason, for some reason, unbeknownst to 
the rest of the world that Deshaun Watson goes out and throws <laughs> multiple different interceptions that can be returned for touchdowns. Jameis Winston does the same exact thing. It's not like that's ever happened before, right? Like, it's, never, it's not like, I don't know, Deshaun Watson went up against the, I don't know, Denver Broncos, right? He didn't throw multiple interceptions against, he, that would never happen. But it did. It happened. And Ronald Jones could be the biggest beneficiary with that, along with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. There is a world where I'm playing either Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. It's possible. And then you go completely contrary to everything else. You line it up with a Josh Allen base lineup. You throw in Watson just in case. You throw in Fuller for the upside. Boom. Oh my God. Was that that impossible? Play Singletary. Play Josh Allen. You do the Ronald Jones with the defense stack. You play Cole Beasley as their flex. You got Hopkins, Fuller, and Watson. And then the tight end, I don't know, maybe you play Croft. Right? Maybe you play Knox. I believe not Knox, in my opinion. Maybe you don't go with either one of those, but... God, that sounds like a sexy lineup to me. That sounds like a lineup that nobody else would play, but you can see how the results could happen. I mean, just looking at it. Just looking at it, nobody's going to be playing the Bucs defense. Really low ownership, and they've had five games so far with double-digit fantasy points. Three out of the past four games have been double-digit fantasy points. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And I know they face a little bit easier schedule, but it's still possible with Sean Watson. Anything's possible. He could throw for five touchdowns. He could throw for five interceptions. You just never know with him. God. That could be a sexy lineup. Now, my favorite defense is going to be the 49ers up against Goff. He's got the bruised thumb. You know? He's fourth in the NFL in interceptions. Yeah, of course. The 49ers defense is probably going to be the most owned. But you can make a lineup happen. Where you do a Mostert stack with the 49ers and then just go completely contrarian with everything else and you could still win a tournament lineup. And I think that the 49ers defense with a Mostert stack is safe for cash. I think that's a great cash play. I think that's a great, great cash play. I think cash plays are going to be the ticket this week. Like I might have, there might, there's a possibility that I go into this and I look at it and I start setting lineups and I'm like, damn, like all the players that I want to play are going to be highly owned. I might just play all cash this week. I might do 100 cash lineups at 5 bucks and spend a $500 and literally just bring in another 400 to, to come back to me. I can make $400 this week by just playing cash. It's very, very possible. But I'm still going to take some shots in tournaments because I have to because that's the way my mind works. Because I believe that stuff can happen that nobody else believes can happen. And I just see angles like nobody else can see. It might be the fact that I spend 60 hours a week just doing research. That could be it. That's probably it, to be honest with you. But still. The Patriots. Cash safe once again on defense. God, man, I can't wait for this week to start. Cannot wait for Saturday. I've got to work, which sucks. I've got to bartend. Why are these games on Saturdays, by the way? Fuck them. Fuck them. I wanted a Thursday night game. I want a game tonight. Damn it. 
but I know, I know why. They have to make it a fair playing field for everybody. They don't want to do Thursday night games with the playoffs on the line. I know, I know. But still, I wish there was a game tonight. Either way, I'm stoked for Saturday, guys, and I'm super, super excited about this. It could be a huge, huge money week. Anyways, with that being said, guys, don't forget about our Patreon page. I'm going to post three of my lineups from this onto our Patreon page, and yeah, you're going to get to use them. I'm going to do a cash one, I'm going to do an upside one, boom or bust, and then I'm going to do a contrarian one, one that I don't really like playing, but i got to take a shot with it anyways because it makes sense. Now, I really appreciate all you guys for listening. It's patreon.com slash fantasy intervention. It costs you $2. You're going to make your money back after one week. You're going to make your money back. It's two bucks. Four out of the five times that I've put a post up with lineups, they've won money. At least one lineup has won money in four out of the five times that I've posted my lineups. This past Monday was the first time it didn't happen, and it was by two points. An average of two points. That was it. You make your money back, trust me. $2, guys, is patreon.com slash fantasy intervention. Once again, that's patreon.com slash fantasy intervention. We're also available on Facebook, so go on there and follow us. That's facebook.com slash fantasy intervention. You can post on our page, ask us questions, we'll answer them for you. And then, of course, if you guys want to listen to us on any other platform, we're available on Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, SoundCloud. Get excited. Just search fantasy intervention. Hit the search button. You'll be good to go. It'll send you right there. And then... I want to give a huge shout out to Fantasy Football Discussion. You guys are amazing. It's Fantasy Football Discussion on Facebook, guys. Go request to join the group. It's like 18,000 people in this group. It's awesome. They ask questions constantly. It's pretty, you know, okay. The moderators do a great job of kicking out people that suck. <laughs> there are a lot of them out there. But, yeah. Listen, guys, I appreciate you guys for listening. And thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life. I'm out. Switch up a stove, pick up a stove, they feelin' the way they know I'm the goat. That's how you bang a podcast.